0: Hello, Marvelites! Welcome to Marvel's The Pull List for comics coming out May 9th, 2018. I'm Ryan Panagos, aka Marvel's Agent M, joined by... Tucker Marcus. Yeah, Chet Ma- You gotta throw the Chet in more. Tucker. I love the
1: Chet. Well, thank you very much. Tucker Chet Marcus, uh, namesake of my great-grandfather who worked on a railroad. Yeah. Chet <laughs> Chestington, Chet Aurelius, yes. Marcus. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Information you didn't ask for and didn't want. Yes, yeah. so... Fun stuff.
0: We are uh, we're ever evolving and thinking about the show. So this week, we're going to start something, try something, change some stuff a little bit. And hopefully, it sticks. You guys like it. We want to know. You can tweet to me, Agent M. Brandon, evil producer Brandon. You can tweet to him. It's Brandon Grugel. Don't tweet to Tucker. You're just going to get weird gifs and memes. That's right. Uh, Stay off my page. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Uh, But what we're going to do is sort of break up. The alphabetical breakdown that we've been doing. We're going to take the books and group them. You know, like some fun stuff every week that we do this could be weird. It could be like, oh, this is the bone zone section where all the Mm -hmm. books somehow go to the bone zone. Or this is the one where it's, you know, like the cosmic section or this is all X-Men all the time. Stuff like that. So this week we've got our free comic book day books, our Deadpool and Deadpool adjacent books, our Spidey books, Star Wars, some team books, some X Men and the Wolverines. And I think we're gonna we're gonna try that. See how it goes. Mix it up a little bit.
1: Yeah. We have that mutant section. But the very podcast is mutating. It's changing. It's transforming. You could say that the mother vine has been dropped on the pull list.
0: You, we, we're not getting to the X-Men and the Wolverine section until way later. We'll get there. We'll later, get there. Tucker.
1: <laughs> Gosh. Uh, we
0: also have someone else who's going to be listening to us and editing our nonsense. That's right. Welcome, Persia. Yay. Yay. Great New Blood. You. And speaking of New Blood, I went to Free Comic Book Day this past weekend, saw a ton of new fans everywhere. It was really exciting. I spent like $110 on long boxes, mm. just long boxes from mm-hmm. my comics. They're expensive. <laughs> but I had a great time, and this week we had two free comic book day issues come out. The first one was Amazing Spider-Man, and it has a little bit of infinity action. In it. The Amazing Spider-Man is your first taste of the new creative team, which is writer Nick Spencer, penciler Ryan Otley inker cliff rathburn and colorist laura martin it's super cool this is their team's first story ryan otley's first marvel book Uh, i hope you guys picked it up free comic book day it will eventually come to the digital services for you but you better believe nick spencer made sure to include one of his favorite characters boomerang boomerang shows up if you've not read superior foes of spider-man go read that as well it is wonderful tucker is nodding in heavenly agreement Mm -hmm. this Free Comic Book Day issue sets up a few mysteries, the status quo, and a great twist for Spidey's private life. Then, on the flip side, in the back of this book, you get a nice primer on Infinity Countdown. It is packed with information and a recap of what the heck is going on. Super crush as the kids say, right? That's, they say that. Cruosh-ish. cruish ish Yeah. Like a cruise ship. <laughs> uh, we also had, for Free Comic Book Day, a twofer with Avengers, or Spidey's Heroes, and Captain America. Two great stories, both like prologues to mm-hmm. the new books that are coming out now last week we had avengers number one by jason aaron and ed mcginnis this one is jason aaron writing it but we got Sara kelly and justin ponsor doing the art it's so good uh you've got t'challa talking to odin and then loki shows up and it really is this preamble right before the events of avengers number one in the present day obviously in avengers number one we have all the one million bc stuff but oh man Sarah Pakelli drawing Loki is delicious. He's, mm. he's, she draws him so cool. And then on the flip side, we've got this amazing Captain America story. It's the moments, the villain in the story, the bigger story that he's telling and the mystery that it all like that gets kicked off right here, which is chilling and like the narration through this really good uh i say no more but there's a lot of really cool hints of what's to come in the pages of captain america so hopefully you got to pick up both of these free comic book day books now from free comic book day we go to a wealth of comics with all the books that kind of feature deadpool this week which there are four it's amazing what a good time to be a deadpool fan
1: yeah and the biggest deadpool story of all We're kicking it off with a big one, is Despicable Deadpool number 300. This is the culmination of Jerry Duggan's massive, huge, emotional, just insane arc that he's taken Wade Wilson on over the last several years. And really, this issue encapsulates all of those huge emotions and story beats in the perfect way.
0: It's funny because the first 20 pages are the most disgusting yep. comic book pages <laughs> yep. I literally have ever read. They are horrifying and so funny. Yeah. I was cackling on my couch reading this.
1: Yeah. It, I imagine Jerry was just like wanting to go out with such a huge, insane choice that he makes for those pages that is just kind of like one big joke that just continues escalating in the most insane way it it just feels like him be like how do i top all the weird gross jokes and choices that he's made over the dozens and dozens of issues of deadpool he's done and he did it yeah. i mean he did it
0: and you're expecting to start off with an emotionally devastating story because that's what he's been telling right and then it just veers off and it's just vile comedy. Yeah, yeah. It is
1: so good. Spot on. And the art team crushes it. The art team crushes this. It's Of course, it's written by Jerry Duggan. And in the credits page, it's really nice that it says also written by Wade Wilson. But the art team includes some of the all-stars of Jerry's run, which are inks by Scott Koblish, Matteo Loli. Terry Pallett, Craig Young, Mike Hawthorne, colors by Nick Filardi and Ruth Redmond and Jordi Belair, letters by Joseph Bino. The issue starts out with like this just insane, gross comedy, and it's so perfect. And then it moves on to really address a lot of the points that have come up recently, specifically with Secret Empire, with Hydra Cap, with real Steve Rogers, uh, and the arc that Deadpool has gone on. This book is in that way a microcosm of the Jerry Duggan run as a whole because – of course, Deadpool, we expect the humor and, you know, we came into this run knowing the character in a certain way. And I feel like after this run, which is for me an absolute landmark, uh, we're exiting with the whole, you know, oceans of depth to this character. Like I said, it really uh, encapsulates the entire arc so beautifully. We exit with some, uh, some classic Jerry Duggan Deadpool characters coming back, influencing the story in big ways. And, you know, a depending on your point of view, a devastating end, uh, like a righteous end, a fun end. I don't know. It could be all of those things, depending on how you interpret it. Yeah. But it is, you know, it's Jerry Duggan's last issue, everything we could hope for. Um, and just a huge congratulations to the entire team.
0: Yeah. I will hold some of my discussions about this for a little bit because uh, this is Jamie's pick for the week. It was also, I had A very difficult time picking this week. I had four books that I really, really, really would just, you know, punch a bird in the face for. Oh, that's a saying, right? Like you say, I'm going to punch that bird in the face. I love it so much. (laughs) Uh, And so I will talk more about that on this week in Marvel later this week. You know what else is coming up on this week in Marvel Mm. later this week? A woman named Gail Simone, because we're going to be talking about Domino number two uh and deadpool's in this fits into our new bucket system oh yes yeah uh, it is written by gail simone art by david baldion colors by jesus abertov and letters by clayton cowles and um i just love david Baldéon's storytelling obviously I'm a, I'm a huge mark for for gail i gush about her stuff on this week in marvel you'll hear that but david Baldéon, man the opening splash from this book has Domino's, she's she's falling she's been th- thrown out a window but the shards of glass around her show her reflection show uh you know her panicked eye her flailing arm uh, her body it's just so visceral and cool and it's such a great way to tell that story and give emotion like you can see that and get a sense of what she's feeling what she's thinking if there's no dialogue and that's a really important thing you know you have to think about can you tell this story without any words because there are going to be be people whether they're kids or adults uh who are learning to read a number of people will read a comic book look at a comic book and try to guess the story Mm -hmm. through it and there's a lot you can say so we talk about acting a lot in comics it's there's so much you can say and tell about a story from the art and man david is so good The the world of relationships that Gale and David are building in this is also something I'm really, really excited. We see her at the party. You've got her besties with Outlaw and Diamondback, but even the little interaction with Spidey. Like there's just, you know, this book sits her now in the greater Marvel universe, which is really a great place for her. She's, while this is part of our Deadpool discussion, she's also interacting with Spider-Man. She's got uh, one of her best friends is Diamondback, who is traditionally a Captain America character. She's got Amadeus Cho, who she's teaming along with for this. So it's a subtle way of of showing that she is a deep part of the Marvel universe. Plus, one of my favorite moments in comics is uh, the bad guys having just thrown her out the window are confronted by her friends at the party, her friends and loved ones. And Deadpool is like, raise your hand if you'd bash these tapeworms and pitch them in the trash chute just right about damn now. And they all raise their hands because they are going to go to town for Domino. It's great. I love this book so much. Uh, Check out This Week in Marvel later this week where we talk about this issue and all of Gail's stuff. It's
1: exciting. Oh, yeah. Another really unique take on Mr. DP, Mr. Wade Wilson, is You Are Deadpool number two, which is written by Al Ewing with art by Paco Diaz, colors by Guru EFX and letters by Joe Sabino. This continues the kind of RPG. It's like a point and click, but in a book. This issue is so fun because I remember when we were first learning the details about You Are Deadpool and what it was going to be because there are so many potentialities for how this book can end up and how it could be realized. I remember one thing that the editorial team was teasing in a big way was how it was going to play with the art style and how Al Ewing was going to incorporate that into the story, obviously incorporate that into how Deadpool interacts with the world that he lives in but also interacts with the reader and we get a really big taste of that in this issue. He kind of has this like Great, like pop art style throughout. Uh, it feels like an old kind of newspaper serial kind of thing.
0: Yeah, well, Paco really hits that 60s vibe yeah. so perfectly.
1: It's so fun to see. And, and, you know, the cover, it's crazy because every time I feel like I look at a cover and I'm like, who did this? This is awesome. It's Raza. Right? And of course, I did it the is, same yeah. thing. But yeah, uh, this is such a fun, such a unique book in the lineup because you are actively involved in the game and in the story uh, unlike anything else you could spend hours reading this book and going through different iterations of the story and still not see everything um so uh, it works so perfectly and all comes from the just insane labyrinth mind of al ewing
0: pro tip Put stuff in your inventory when you're playing through the game. You can actually like, yeah. you grab stuff, you put it in your inventory, and you can use it for later. And there's there's a whole Fantastic Four section in the book, which <laughs> ah, it was it was great. So more Deadpool. We are talking about Spider-Man, Deadpool number thirty-two. Whew. Man, Scott Hepburn, Scott Coblish, two of my favorite Scots. I'm just gonna leave it like that, you know. Scott Coblish on Deadpool there, Scott Hepburn on Spider-Man, Deadpool here. There's just something about their art when they work on a Deadpool story. And Hepburn, he has an almost graffiti-ish vibe to his work. It's so fun. This is written by Robbie Thompson Art, of course, by Scott Hepburn. Colors by Ian Herring. Letters by Joe Sabino. And Spider-Man Deadpool 32 uh, is the third part of this oldies arc. It's following mostly on this tale set in the future. Spider-Man and Deadpool who are, uh, they're much older. They're besties. Deadpool is weighed heavily by things that he's done and put Peter through Peter's in a wheelchair. There's there's a whole lot of emotions flowing, uh, but they're they're having an adventure. They're having a good time. There's a moment in the second page, I believe. Yeah, there's a couple panels in the second page where Deadpool looks sad and he's he's a little like. And the way Scott draws his the eye slits on his mask, it just tells that story again like we were talking about earlier when you don't know the words you can look at this and know oh Deadpool is upset Deadpool is down and what's going on on the cover we see big old thing a very large thing larger than normal much larger yeah <laughs> hundreds and hundreds of feet tall essentially is that Ben Grimm no is it awesome hell Yes. And I know you're a big Ben Grimm fan. Yes. How yes. much did you love that?
1: Oh, I loved it. it yeah. It's such a cool little spin and it works perfectly for a book that like plays with your perceptions in a lot of different mm-hmm. ways. Like in the past and the future in Deadpool telling the story a little bit and him revealing things to the reader. It was a great little twist there. Yeah.
0: The the thing revelation and then there's a couple of subsequent reveals, appearances, moments that I was like, whoa, I I want to dive into this world so much. This would have been one of my picks. It edged, it got edged out a little bit, but there's brutal violence, deep emotional beats that have been going on for the full series and all of Wade and Peter's lives. If we're, you know, thinking about the story that they've been telling, there's time travel, fourth wall breaking, really great comedic bits, a Lord of the Rings moment that brought me <laughs> such joy, so perfect. Yeah, I know many of you listeners check out books because of this show, and I really appreciate that. I highly suggest this series. Very, very much from a deep part of my heart. Start with number 30 if you don't want to go too far back. 30 gets you at the beginning of this arc. But uh, you can read the entire run of this book, and it's so good. But, man, this is – it's a treasure.
1: And it's a perfect transition from our Mr. Merc with a Mouth section to the – Spider with the mouth, which leads us perfectly, naturally, to Peter Parker's Spectacular Spider-Man number 304. This is No More Part 1. It's a new arc written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Adam Hubert, colors by Jason Keith, and letters by Travis Lanham. I love what Chip's done with uh, Spectacular here because he kind of built up, especially in the last couple of arcs, he's built up a kind of really interesting, different, new team for spidey and that includes j jonah jameson but it also includes Teresa durand slash parker mm. um uh who is spidey's sister ish you know it's still kind of i don't know i feel like I said, look family is many things you it's, know what it could be what you make it it That's could be right. the blood it's a great point and it fits perfectly for this and it actually leads really wonderfully uh into the story because this issue uh we're back from the past uh, we're back to the future future, as it's put in this story. And as with, I think, any great Peter Parker story, his kind of personal and professional lives are pitted against each other. Uh, and we really feel that here because the Osborns come into the game in a big way. Kelly and Ozzy, And that's right. The kids. That's right. There is some really great stuff that. Also includes Gwen Stacy here uh, in a really wonderful way. I feel like uh, now that Chip has had ample time to kind of flesh out his Peter Parker's family and team and and everything that we talked about, uh, it's really interesting to see how he handles the classic Peter Parker team and family and villains sometimes because he has this really unique take on everything. uh, He kind of puts Peter in a really difficult situation here, both, I guess, philosophically and physically in a lot of different ways. But the other big thing that I wanted to talk about, I feel like because there's been a little bit of a rotating roster on Peter Parker's spectacular Spider-Man as chips written them. I just love the art in every single one of these books. I think it just captures the spirit of spectacular Spider-Man in a really unique way. Obviously, It's so interesting how you can uh, separate it from Amazing Spider-Man, how you can separate it from the other Spidey books that we're going to talk about. But I I just think that the art of Adam Kubert. in this issue compliments chip's writing in such a perfect way it's it's funny but he captures the the dynamic quality that comes in every spider-man book so perfectly uh, it's a little bit cartoony um the colors are so great yeah i i think it just works just seamlessly
0: i i love it that adam just is like i'm gonna turn the page sideways and i'm just gonna exactly. i'm gonna go you know vertically for a, a spread and. There's one part where you do have to turn the book yeah, on its side, yeah. but part of the reason he does that is because the shapes of the panels he can draw are a little bit different, and he can do the squares that give him more depth and room to tell a story. It gets you moving into the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's a legend. He's fantastic. All right, so in our Spider-Man section, we've got a book without Spider-Man, but what? he's mentioned because he's talked about in the context of Craven the Hunter, who is a guest star and unbeatable Squirrel Girl, number 32. Man, this is terrific because, let's be honest, we all were a little bit worried. Erica Henderson, who's been with the book from the beginning, penciler, artist, she's still on covers, but she's not drawing the interiors. And that's a big change. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, we've got new artist Derek Charm, who's here, and he
1: crushes it. It's perfect.
0: He's got that vibe and style that is completely different from Erica's. But he's also 100% great for Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. Because he's got that positive, fun, constantly moving vibe. Uh, this issue, you have Squirrel Girl and Nancy being friends with Craven, the Hunter. And that is one of my favorite things that this series has done for, for the Marvel Universe. Uh, you know, and that's saying something because we've got Koi Boy, Chipmunk Hunk, Brian Drain, oh. a.k.a. Brain Drain, as a main supporting character. Love him. So good. And this just starts out as friends hanging out for an afternoon and turns from a fun day into a deadly game of death, most deadly. And it's it's so good. Uh, it has one of my favorite panels of the week, Craven in his civilian clothes, which is like leopard print scarf jacket he's got like adidas with a little bit of a leather leopard print stripe on mm-hmm. him and his, his pantaloons and he's hanging outside his awesome craven van which has like a painting of him and a woman and some animals on it it's so cool his look so stylish another top-notch unmutable squirrel girl
1: okay Also in the Spidey family, the Spidey corner of the Marvel Universe, but this character is expanding, especially in the year 2018, into his own corner all itself. This is Venom number one. It's written by the man, Dangerous Donny Cates, pencils by the incredible and ideal for this book, Ryan Stegman, Uh, inks by J.P. Meyer, colors by Frank Martin, letters by Clayton Cowles, Look, this is the first issue. Uh, As with many number ones, it kind of takes a step back. It's a new perspective. It's a fresh take on the character. But I just think Donnie, we know that he is a mega Venom fan, but he just commands Eddie Brock and Venom so perfectly. He has such a perfect hold on the spirit of the character and the. The kind of dark angle that is so crucial for a story like this.
0: In my notes, I wrote, quote, Donnie's a freak for Venom.
1: Yeah. <laughs> End quote. Uh, and I, like I said, I think Ryan Stegman, who is kind of oh my bulky, God. like this m- monstrous, muscular, like super kind of angular style is so he's, awesome.
0: Yeah, he's he's channeling and he always has been Todd McFarlane. Mm. but he does he takes it to a different direction and there's some texture and some aggressiveness mm. in Ryan's art that helps it stand out and and just go over especially on a book like this so well wow. can you talk about those first two pages cuz those first two pages
1: are bonkers those are stupid gorgeous yeah it's insane i mean the art in this book especially just it captures a tone all itself and it just marries so beautifully with the writing. I feel like it's a super difficult thing to capture that tone that just feels like you're entering a world all its own that is irreplicable anywhere else. That was like my biggest takeaway from this first issue was to just like I cannot wait to keep jumping back into this venom universe
0: yeah this is gonna be one of my picks of the week so i'm not gonna talk too much more about it but i will say on this week in marvel i'm gonna relay an anecdote about this book uh, and about donnie from the last creative retreat uh, a little behind the scenes action for you so stay tuned to this week in marvel later on this week now from a galaxy so close to a galaxy far far away and a long time ago Right?
1: Absolutely. we did it. Absolutely. It is
0: time for the Star Wars Corner. The Star Wars (laughs) Corner. It's a corner full of Star Wars. (laughs) Ooh. It is real good. First up in our Star Wars triumvirate this week is Star Wars Darth Vader number 16. Now, first thing I wanted to ask you, Tucker, have we ever talked about droid sentience? That's a good question. Mm -mm. Because I... I'm sure there's been discussions about it. You know, we've seen some books. There was the C-3PO book from like a couple of years ago, or the story of his leg Mm -hmm. really like gave you a sense of the droids as people. And you look at BB-8 in Poe Dameron is really like just this character with a soul and, you know, R2 and 3PO and like the, the droid characters that we know. So I say all this because Master Bar, the Jedi who's hiding out on Mon Calamari just gets his data stick from his little droid friend. And then he says, self-destruct so that we can burn this all away. No evidence. He tells his friend to kill himself. (laughs) Yeah. And the droid is just like, sure, boss. (laughs) I just like, it was so brutal to me. And I was thinking about the life of this droid. I, yeah. It, is there life in this droid? What does it mean? What is the meaning of it all? Oh, That's I mean, what
1: this book got me thinking about. Yeah, it's a great question. I feel like you can dive into some deep, deep forums online that kind of analyze Oh, every no, I'm moment. not going anywhere near yeah, any of that. Yeah, it's a, probably a good idea. But, it, like, any moment of, like, self-awareness and, like when a droid powers himself off like what does that mean versus like some droids are like pets some are some are more like companions some are more like friends some are more like tools there's a droid getting tortured in one scene in the movies right that's right right yeah. that is, like that's so horrifying yeah <laughs> so, i they mean, feel pain yeah it's a really good point um it's actually an interesting subject that i feel like from what i've seen uh is going to be explored uh, with the character l3 in solo a star wars story uh, yeah so uh, maybe we'll get some more hints as to the the definitive explanation behind the consciousness of droids in the star wars universe going forward
0: yes well the creators that got me down this path are charles soul the writer giuseppe the pencils Danielle orlandini on inks java tartaglia and guru effects on colors Man, Camo and the art crew coming through again with magic. There's this big panel of an underwater ship that carries Vader and the Inquisitorius. But the ship itself is so intricately designed for this one panel, this one thing. Uh, It's it's so wonderfully done. Uh, The sea is this cool muted blue that works really well there. Then you have the rock and the coral, plus the escaping forces. This whole framing device, it's like a painting. You go to a museum and you see this. And it's... Gorgeous stuff, they continue to thrill and amaze me, especially Camo. He is wonderful. And I was thinking reading this book about all the the characters we've seen in this run of Vader, especially the Jedi, you know, that have come up, uh, and, and those around them. There was the, the Jedi librarian, the super swole Jedi who like was off on his own, you know, way that Vader fought in the beginning of mm-hmm. the series. You know, they, they've been created or utilized and, and then they've died. In, in service of telling the story of the rise of Darth Vader. And I was reading this and thinking, man, we're seeing this master bar guy and all these characters around him, we don't know anything about these people. And then they, boom, we get to see the turning points in their lives that bring them to this path, and then their last moments. And it's such a great way to pull emotional strings, make you invested in their story, in the larger story that they're telling here, and also... How much of a
1: jerk the Jedi could be? Yeah. There's the one kill scene where they're underwater, and I don't want uh, to say what happens, uh, but he just d- he uses the Force to take uh, this one guy out in the coolest way. And then we see their kind of solemn backstory about what led them to this in the first place. It is so, so perfect.
0: Yeah. And the, uh, the last page is one of my panels of the week. It was
1: delicious. Yes. Moving on to another corner of the Star Wars universe. Yes. That means it's Tucker's pick of the week. That's right. It is my pick of the week. This is Star Wars, The Last Jedi, number one. It is the adaptation of the film. And holy crap, it's written by Gary Whitta. Yeah. Oh, oh man. Screenwriter, amazing storyteller. Uh, he was part of the, the the story team that put together Rogue One. He also, I think, did a lot of work with Star Wars TV shows and things like that. He is so incredible, and he kills this story here uh the art is by the unbelievable michael walsh who does such perfect work for this mike spicer's on colors travis lanham is on letters uh and you know i i feel like with many adaptations you would expect it to just be like okay you know it's just gonna be a comic book version of the movie which is awesome and so great to hold that in your hands but This is super different because Gary takes his own angle on the story and we kind of get to see a few intimate moments that we didn't get to see in the film. Some deeper exploration of the characters minds and their perspectives on the events that we as film viewers, you know, know are coming. And he just gets to play on those in really interesting ways while also tying into The Force Awakens and, and the decades prior. For example, we start this story in it with his journey into the mind of Luke Skywalker, which doesn't happen in the film, obviously. And it's this really kind of solemn, kind of worried Luke Skywalker because he doesn't want to be found. And of course, he's been found. And we get some great moments with him. There's some really awesome space-fighting dogfight action that we get Poe's assault with the bombers on the First Order fleet, Uh, some uh, really, really wonderful Porg action, uh, and some great Leia stuff with Poe that kind of, again, has that different angle than the film does. It works so well uh, just as a story in its own right. I'm a huge lover of The Last Jedi film, it gives me chills just thinking about it. I can listen to the soundtrack, play the movie in my head, and cry. <laughs> oh, so that's why you're usually crying at your desk. Uh, actually, no. That's uh, oh. for, for other reasons, but we'll, let's it. not go there. Anyway, um, <laughs> I loved this story. I thought Gary have just crushed it. I love the choice to kind of give it its own thrust and uh, take advantage of the comic medium in such a unique way. Uh, and Michael Walsh no one better to capture the faces and the uh, emotions going on in this story i loved it heck yeah um
0: there's one little thing in this issue that i don't know if you caught Leia calls admiral akbar by his first name Mm -hmm. i don't know that i i've never like seen that or noticed that but like there was something just about that interaction that felt so special and so right it was just a little thing but i got it i was like oh yeah it was really like They've known each other now for thirty odd years, right. and they've worked and like they're so close. It was so special. Uh, I hear Gary on Kind of Funny Games Daily, which is a, a podcast from uh, our friend Greg, who does Kind of Funny Games. They do a daily video game podcast, and Gary's on it, you know, once or twice a week, and he's great. Mm-hmm. So if you need some some weekly Gary fix, Tucker, check out Kind of Funny Games Daily. Now for more Star Wars, our last of the three this week is star wars throne number four written by jody hauser art by luke ross colors by nolan woodard and letters by vcs clayton Cowles and travis lanham man throne and vanto breaking rules and making moves that's what they're doing this issue it's great it's it's hard not to like someone like throne like and you want to get with what he's doing he sees problems he solves problems He can be cold and clinical in his approaches, for sure. Uh, And there are definite consequences when he, you know, takes whatever path he takes. But he picks the outcome that works best for the long term and overall. He's thinking large picture, five moves ahead, all the different directions. He's, you know, figuring out what is going to make the most sense for a long time. And he solves a problem here that really upsets some people, Uh, both the people he saves and his bosses, but in his eyes, this was the path he had to take because it solves the problem, it does what needs to be done, and it, it's a long-term fix for this. And it's it makes so much sense. And the more and more I read him, the more and more I like him. And I love that Vanto is such a grounding character to Thrawn. He's the guy who's like, sure you want to do that? Yeah. Uh, and then like play off each other. And he's he's the more human POV character. It's ah, they really they just work so well together dig it dig it dig it dig it
1: moving on from star wars to another little group of books which is this is our team up section this is the team books uh and we're starting with exiles number three i'm just gonna be straight up right now this
0: is maybe my favorite comic book being produced at this time wow and this is one of my favorite issues of the year and This is one of my picks of the week. Wii U, Wii U. Yeah. Wii U, Wii U,
1: indeed. (laughs) Uh, It's written by Saladin Ahmed, with pencils by Javier Rodriguez, inks by Alvaro Lopez, and colors by Chris O'Halloran, with letters by Joe Caramagna. I just want to say, look, this is your pick of the week. I don't want to step on your toe in any way. But on page three, as we get, like, the baddies of the issue, which are so awesome and weird and different, like, this is the weirdest, most, like interesting angle book ever i am so with you there someone says and l- let me quote intruders milk drinkers destroy them y- these are my dudes right here right i'm rooting for the bad guys because they too look upon milk drinkers with scorn you're you're all about <laughs> anti-milk anti-wheat that's right yeah yes no milk no wheat no dairy no glutes uh <laughs> no you gotta have some glutes everybody loves a good butt everybody needs a good butt But glutes, as in no glute hen. Okay. No, thank you. Okay. Um, So I am with the bad guys on this issue. But There are many bad guys in this issue. Those bad guys show up for like
0: three pages. (laughs) Yeah. And they are talking dinosaurs with blunt instruments and guns and awesome spiky armor. And they're all kinds of colors. And they just come tromping and stomping out of the, the forest. They're the
1: best. Yes. This issue is actually really awesome because- We have a different universe, different reality. Captain America who enters the game, who kind of teams up with the Exiles, and it's Peggy Carter. She has the shield. She's wielding the shield. She is... Very much herself, it's very much the Peggy Carter and the spirit of Peggy Carter that we we know, but this hero version, this superhero version, who is so kick-ass and so much fun to see. And this is actually a really fun issue for me personally, because in the letters pages in the back, there's this great interview with Bill Roseman and the Marvel Games team and a few of the developers that brought Peggy Carter Captain America to life in the uh, Marvel Games world, and now she's in the comics. Uh, So it's a little bit of analysis about how that transition happened, how they came up with the idea for Peggy Carter, Captain America. Sarah Brunstad, who is the associate editor of the book, and Will Moss, who is the editor, uh, they wanted to tell the story about how Peggy Carter made that leap. Uh, And it's a really, really fun uh, intro to see how that happened.
0: My favorite cover of the week is Exiles number 3 by Dave Marquez and Justin Ponsor, which is a riff on the cover to Uncanny X-Men number 268, which featured Wolverine, Captain America, and Black Widow by Jim Lee. That is from the late 80s Maybe eighty-eight, eighty-nine, somewhere around there. On that cover, you had Wolverine and Captain America and Black Widow in their sort of current superhero costumes, but the story was set in World War II, where. Uh Wolverine was not Wolverine he was just Logan he was like the special forces guy Captain America I don't remember Cap's full costume in that uh it was probably his classic Cap costume but Black Widow was a child in that story uh and she does not show up as she does on the cover you should read that book it is fantastic all right anyway on to more team books which another one of my almost picks of the week because I loved it so much is Runaways number 9 last time we had one of these issues I said you know I'm really hoping that this Dr. Doom, Victor Von Doom, Doombot, whatever it is, is a certain thing. And we find out that it is the certain thing that I was hoping for. If you have not read it, please go to your local comic shop or Marvel Unlimited and read the terrific Avengers AI series by Sam Humphreys and Andre Lima Orojo. It is so good and so fun. And we had a Doombot in that book. Victor from Runaways was in that book. He is a robot man. I don't know, what do you call them? Android? A robot man. Robot man. So seeing them together, so good. This issue has sassy robots. The gang going to see Lord of the Rings. It's full of Lord of the Rings stuff this Mm. week. It makes me really happy. Uh, Happy dinosaurs eating cupcakes. Uh, Relationship drama. Chris Anka and the art team continuing to just destroy it with the team's fashion choices. Like, there needs to be a college-level study on the amazing... Outfits and costumes created for this series. Mm-hmm. It's so good, so beautiful. There's you know major things happening around Molly and her best friend. Again, talking about the acting in comics and comic art, Chris Anka delivers again and again. The end of the issue, the last few pages this like there's that scene where they're watching fellowship and their facial expressions show how glued they are to the movie how happy they are as a family uh then they come home it's joking it's great nico and and carolina they're like elbowing each other and it's just so wonderful then the last three panels go from fun to shock to major shock to that final splash that is horror and confusion and sadness it is terrific so good uh i wish i had 900 picks because this would be up
1: there <laughs> hands down another angle on the team book this week is a really interesting one it's the incredible hulk number 716 uh, which is written by greg pock with pencils by marco lorenzana inks by juan velasco colors by frank d'armada and letters by cory petit this is a really interesting team-esque book because it's kind of this almost like an anti-team book Because essentially what's going down, as has been happening in World War Hulk 2, this is World War Hulk 2 Part 3, the Hulk has taken over, he's locked Amadeus up in the trunk in his mind, and he's thrown away the keys and completely taken over. And, you know, as is the Hulk's want to do, he doesn't want to be contained. Mm -mm. Uh, But the kind of the, the superheroes of Earth have to try and contain him. Uh, in this issue, and they have to kind of maybe wrest control from the Hulk, you know, in service of Amadeus in for his own safety, but also for the safety of people around him. He is hulking out in a big way, but this issue includes Spider-Man, Miss Marvel, Silk, Black Panther shows up, Captain Marvel is involved. So you get Avengers, Champions, Alpha Flight, yeah. teams aplenty. There's so many teams, and it's really, really awesome because, look, there's a big throwdown that is Always fun to see, no matter what Hulk book it shows up in. It is one of the most classic 1v1s that happens in Marvel Comics time and time again. It's always fun to watch. But this issue is really interesting because as Amadeus is kind of wrestling with himself, wrestling with the Hulk, wrestling with who has control, he's also thinking about Bruce Banner and the failures of Bruce Banner, how he thinks maybe the superheroes of Earth let Bruce down, and he wants to avoid that. But, you know, his tactics for doing so, you know, are could be argued with. It depends on your perspective. But in that way, it brings in the legacy of the Hulk as a whole into play in a really, really interesting way. As we move towards Immortal Hulk, it's perfect and timely to think about what Bruce Banner means to, uh, you know, his successor or his cousin in hulking matters amadeus and uh, this issue does such a great job of pitting that philosophical thing uh, up against this kind of physical combat with the rest of the heroes it's really really great
0: okay on to another team book we've got new mutants dead souls number three six there's a conversation in here and i feel like this conversation of whether or not the enterprise can blow up the Millennium Falcon is a fun, nerdy chat. My heart, my heart says Falcon. My gut says that big weird looking ship thing from the Star Treks. <laughs> I just, there has got too many
1: shields and, and zappy guns. And I get maybe both performing at their peak. It's a toss up. But I feel like since the Falcon is just always busting and breaking down, like, you know, it's got to come back to
0: it's like, sooner or later. For boxing fans, I don't know what, how I'm the one pulling out the boxing sports analogy. <laughs> like Floyd Mayweather versus George Foreman, right? You've mm. got all the big slow power of Foreman, and Mayweather is just like, boo, 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 boo. Falcon would be Mayweather, but you hit once with you know a big shot, dude goes down. But on New Mutants Dead Souls number three, it is written by Matthew Rosenberg, art by Adam Gorham, colors by Michael Garland, letters by Clayton Cowles, I really dug it for a number of reasons, but it features Prodigy, who's a character I really uh, am into. Uh, He was recently in the America book. He's now here. Check him out in an older New Mutant series, Um, not the original New Mutant series. I think it was volume two or three. Then he was in the new X-Men series, which was picked up by Craig Kyle and Chris Yost. And then, of course, he was in Young Avengers, uh, which was by Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey, which is really, really terrific. Really, really good. So Prodigy, anytime I get to see him, makes me really happy. Uh, this issue also addresses some of the, like, the weird stuff between Strong Guy and Wolfsbane that went down in X-Factor comics by Peter David. It's got just n- scary, nasty bits, some messed up deaths, and then horrible, horrible stuff happening to one of my favorite Marvel characters. And it's a very mean thing for Matthew to do to us. I'm not happy
1: as we transition from not just teams but mutant teams, X-Men teams, we move on to X-Men Blue, number twenty-seven, which is written by Colin Bun with art by Micah Stowe, colors by Rain Barreto, letters by Joe Caramagna. This is Cry Havoc, part five. Essentially, what's going down? The Mother Vine has been unleashed. People are being mutantized by the bomb, and uh, well, you know that that kind of works here because. Uh, The Blue Squad is kind of trying to fly in as fast as they can to keep this whole thing contained, and that is quite the task. Magneto has been kind of wrestling with this whole thing throughout, and now he's quite literally wrestling with it, but uh, it's really, really an interesting kind of pre-war war because there's so much going down on the ground level. There's just explosions and, like, Bad guys everywhere now. People who are just like kind of, you know, exploding out of their own bodies, not knowing what you know how to handle the power that has come with the Mother Vine. They're also trying to inch closer and closer to Emma Frost and to the rest of the bad guys who are responsible for all this. Who tried to get Magneto in on their plan, but he refused. I mean, and the real,
0: the real evil one is Miss Sinister. Yeah, she's a turd.
1: She's a turd. Uh, and that's what's really interesting here. As finally, the Blue Squad kind of. Gets their stuff together, which you know is a really difficult task given what's going on. They are pushing closer to try and stop this thing at its source. Uh, and I, I, don't know, I guess we'll see what happens. Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of
0: a toss up at the moment. Neat cameos from Dragonus and Wildside, two members of the Mutant Liberation Front. That has been your '90s Marvel <laughs> minute. That was like ten seconds, but still, <laughs> I was really excited to see Dragonus and Wildside in this book. You don't get to see them enough. But continuing on, the Wolverines and the Xs, we've got Old Man Logan, number 39. This is, I don't know, maybe one of my favorites of this run so far. Uh, it's Old Man Logan paling around with the young kids at the, you know, Xavier Institute. It's him getting treated by Cecilia Reyes. It's him. It's not a, like generally big action issue it's a lot of character stuff there's a lot of stuff with the kids here separate from what's going on with logan glob herman is here and you're just like your heart is melting because mm-hmm. he's going on a date glob herman who is just trying to be a nice guy he's just he wants to find love yeah you know and there's a sweet moment where his friends are like man i hope his date's going all right <laughs> it's weird right and it's the three of them like if it goes good for him then there's hope for the rest of us mm-hmm. and it's like Shark Girl and Enole and Rockslide. And it's it's so good. Ed Brisson, the writer on this issue, captures the voices and the characters and the vibes that I've wanted from this group. Uh, You got art by Ibrahim Roberson, colors by Carlos Lopez, and letters by VCs Corey Petit. And Old Man Logan, he's having a tough time. His body is not healing nearly as quick as he wants. In some cases, we find out here, not at all. Uh, and it's really gnarly stuff. Uh, there's a great line from Cecilia because his eye is all messed up. She's like, you can finally go back to wearing that stupid patch <laughs> or whatever it is. And it's like, yeah, give him the eye patch. Oh, yeah. I love Logan with an eye patch. It is fantastic. There's a, also an app shown off in here called Mutant Mingles. Uh, and I know Adri Cowan, our social media manager here, she was trying to come up with like a cool, funny app. Mutant Mingles. We got to take Mutant Mingles for realsies and make it a thing. Uh, yeah, this is a lot of fun. Definitely check this issue out.
1: And finally, the last book of the week is Hunt for Wolverine, The Adamantium Agenda. This is another Mr. Logan story, but it's a Mr. Logan story because Logan is not around. And that's the whole point as we're hunting for him. It's written by the incredible Tom Taylor, one of my favorites, Pencils by R.B. Silva, inks by Adriana Di Benedetto with R.B. Silva, and colors by Jesus Abertov. With letters by Joe Sabino, uh, the previous Hunt for Wolverine issue was kind of this uh, noir mystery story. This issue is kind of like an action thriller. All of these, uh, the the four different branches that are coming out of the Hunt for Wolverine story will all have that mystery aspect to them. This one is like a thriller. They're kind of on this mission, the team, uh, which includes Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Man, and Spidey. They're hunting, of course, for Wolverine. They're trying to find out some secrets. They end up going on this strange tangential journey to try and get clues. They end up coming across some roadblocks along the way. They have to get through those red blocks to get to the clues, to get to Wolverine. And there are plenty of surprises along the way. But it's so cool to see this quadrant come together and, uh, you know, try and find those clues. And, you know, it's great with the mixture of powers, especially with Jessica and kind of her PI skills in this hunt. It's a really interesting, different direction.
0: This is the team, like a New Avengers team. So Brian Michael Bennis for a long time, wrote Avengers and New Avengers. And so this is sort of a core of part of his run on New Avengers with this group uh, and their dynamics so well and you get this flashback to a scene at the beginning of that team during that time period and Tom evokes their... Relationships, their dialogue, the bendousness of it so well. But he adds his own touches to it. Like later on, he's got he's great with the quick gags. Uh, you know, my favorite maybe Wolverine making fun of how often they've heard Spidey's origin story <laughs> at the beginning, or uh, some of the quick asides that like make you raise your eyebrow for one reason or another. Like Tom does that so well in. Uh, all new Wolverine, but there's the relationship bit that Jessica Jones drops when they're in the submarine um, or the last page reveal uh, and the reactions to all that stuff. But you also from the art side, Arby Silva is doing such a great job channeling Stuart Immonen art from that time period. There are times when I was just like, is this Arby or is this uh, Stuart? It's so good. It's intentionally evoking that, feel that vibe that style but still rb makes it his own he's got his characters are so big and cool and muscular i dug it really really good oh yeah all right so for the main books that's about it but there are two more issues out this week we have a pair of true believers one shot that get you two dollars get you both of these that's true believers wolverine blood hungry which i believe is a sam keith drawn story from marvel comics presents really cool True Believers, Wolverine versus Sabretooth. Great. Both of them, only a dollar. Check them out. Uh, We've got tons of collections and stuff on sale. What do we got, Tucker?
1: We have Amazing Spider Man Venom Inc. We have Despicable Deadpool Volume 2 Bucket List. We have Fantastic Four Visionaries John Byrne Volumes 0 and 1. Hawkeye, Kate Bishop Volume 3 Family Reunion. Marvel Team Up Masterworks Volume 3. And Werewolf by Night The Complete Collection Volume 3. Yeah, also tons of stuff on the
0: app this week. Uh, lots of 70s action. I don't know. Yeah. Whoever's putting the books in the app is just like super into the 70s. You got Marvel Tima, Master of Kung Fu, Werewolf by Night, rad stuff over there. Digital collections include some Marvel graphic novels and freshly digitized lots of books. There's a Domino Limited series, which is just added to Marvel Unlimited. Joe Pruitt and Brian Stelfreeze wow. from 2003. Definitely check that out. Some classic Defenders issues. There's a source book in here, X-Men Future History, The Messiah War source book, which I always love those. If you like handbooks and lots of information, that's yeah jam. Now we're going to have the full list of all that stuff freshly digitized on Marvel Unlimited, as well as in the Marvel app in the show notes, as well on Marvel.com. Uh, that's about it. That's that's the episode, Tucker. Woo! Yeah. Oh, one last thing before we go. Yes. We were just talking about all that Wolverine action uh, a couple minutes ago, but- This is the last week for new episodes of Wolverine the Long Night on Stitcher Premium. Now you can hear the full series in its entirety. If you're one of them binge listeners, Mm -hmm. or you just want to go back and check them all out, it's a cool mystery. Check it out on Stitcher Premium. It's Wolverine the Long Night. You can go to wolverinepodcast.com. Learn more about it. Get on it. Snicked. Snicked indeed. This is Marvel. Your universe.